Amen. All right. Well, let's get started on our next session. It's gone by too quick. Um, hope the meal was sufficient and, and blessed you. Um, don't fall asleep. Okay? Let's keep it together, folks, and, and we're going to make it through. Uh, but it, it is truly a, a blessing and an honor to introduce our next speaker. Um, if you uh, are familiar, anybody, is anybody familiar with the show On Patrol Live? Okay, all right, all right. So uh, if you're not, then you don't know this guy. But if you've ever watched it, this is one of the best, uh, in my personal opinion, that I've ever seen. And so how did Braylon make it to Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, to speak at our conference? Well, uh, being someone that I admire, what do you do? You, 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 you Facebook stalk them, and if you can't find them there, you, you Instagram stalk them, and if they're not there, you Twitter stalk them, or I guess it's X now. I'm going to still call it Twitter. Uh, but anyway, so I, I found them on Twitter, and this, this is what made me want, uh, desire to have them here if he would come. He says, striving to be God's reflection each and every day. Need advice or prayer or want to know more about God? Direct message me. And his pinned tweet is, your relationship with God is growing when it irks uh, your nerves to sin. If sinning doesn't bother you at all, you're not one with God. And I, I appreciate that so much. You got regular church going Baptist that don't, ain't that strong in their faith and what they say. And so, brother, I, I appreciate you so much being here. I, I had to get permission from his boss, the sheriff. Uh, and so I appreciate Sheriff Lott allowing him to come represent Richland County. So, brother, you come on up. You take all the time you need to share with us about law enforcement. And uh, we sure appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, like he said, one of my uh, many passions, my main career uh, is law enforcement, but uh, one of my passions, my deep passions, is sharing the word of God. Uh, I love Jesus Christ, um, love everything about him. Uh, since I was little, I grew up in church. I've been in church all my life, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that here in a second, um, but this is one of, my, one of my passions. I don't have a chance to do it as often as I would want to, so when I got this request, I was like, yes, I finally get to come someplace and share Jesus. Because um, it's one thing to share, you know, my career on TV. I love being a cop, don't get me wrong. I do it every day. My dad did it uh, growing up, watched him do it for 23 years. So that's a passion of mine. But I'm going to tell you a little bit more about myself in a second. But uh, one of my passions that many people on Twitter, you see that, that pinned tweet. Uh, I used to tweet a lot more about Jesus before I got on the show. Um, but... Now, I like to have the opportunity to share Jesus with people. Uh, so one of my passions, I thank you so much for just allowing me the opportunity to be here to share uh, something that I'm very, very passionate about. Thank, I want to thank Brittany for being here and her son, uh, Aiden, making the trip from Columbia with me. It was a three-hour drive. I had to drive the whole way here. Um, <laughs> he slept, and she took a nap. So, um, But I thank you guys for coming. My mom told me, uh, before I got here, she was like, uh, don't be long-winded. I told her I got 45 minutes. So she, she made sure that I stay within my 45-minute timeline. 
So I'm going to do my best. She's probably watching on live stream right now. So I'm going to do my best to stay within the 45 minutes. So like I said, talking about God is one of my passions. So I'm going to have fun while I'm up here. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit. I'm um, just going to share a little bit from what I've been studying uh, in the Word of God. And we can talk a little bit about work at the end, how that sounds. All right, so um, I have two uncles that are, that are pastors, so uh, this is, like I said, something that I love to do. Grew up in church all my life, doing Easter speeches since I was three. Since I could read, I had to stand up in front of people and do some Easter speeches. Um, uh, one of my uncles is a pastor in Columbia, South Carolina, where I currently live at, and where I grew up, uh, Hampton, Vaughnville, South Carolina, about two hours from Columbia, is where my other uncle uh, is a pastor is. So... Uh, God's been a God of grace uh, to me and my family my entire life. Um, I was born one pound, 12 and a half ounces, believe it or not. <laughs> Looking at me, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, but my birthday is in January, and my mom's due date was in April. So I came three months early. Uh, so God's been a God of grace in my life from the beginning. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, and what grace actually is um, in a little bit. And I'll try to tie it in and explain um, why me being here is a product of God's grace. Um, being one pound, 12 and a half ounces, you understand, as I continue. Um, my Uncle Charles, who is the pastor in um, Barnville, Hampton County, where I grew up in South Carolina, he was born, uh, he couldn't speak. And he's a pastor now. So he grew up, uh, he actually graduated valedictorian of his high school. Grew up, um, wasn't able to speak. Doctors um, told my grandmother that uh, he would have many learning disabilities and um, every negative diagnosis that a doctor could give. Uh, that's what the doctors gave my grandmother about my oldest uncle, Charles. And uh, God delivered him, uh, gave him a voice to speak, and he's been preaching the gospel ever since. Uh, so again, God's been a God of grace to me and now uh, members of my family my entire life. And uh, one more story, quick story. My uncle Patrick, who's the youngest, uh, my grandma had 11 kids, eight boys and three girls. So um, my uncle Patrick, who's the youngest out of everybody, my uncle Charles, uh, the one that couldn't speak is the oldest out of everybody, and this one I'm talking about now is the youngest. Uh, he's uh, the head attorney for Richland County. So I work with the Richland County Sheriff's Department, and the county as a whole, um, the, chief law, the chief legal advisor is my uncle Patrick. Um, so my grandmother uh, didn't really know she was pregnant with him at the time. Uh, she went to the doctor. She was having some stomach issues, some stomach pains, and they did an ultrasound on her, and they thought it was a tumor. And they were like, uh, if it continues to, to bother you, come back, and we'll do another ultrasound uh, to see if it, if it goes away or if it grows or whatever. So some time went by. And she's like, it's still bothering me. She was telling my, grand my grandfather it's still, still bothering her. So they went back to the, to the doctor and they did another ultrasound. This time, uh, the doctors were a little confused because there was a heartbeat in her stomach. And they were like, I've never seen a tumor with a heartbeat before. <laughs> so uh, it ended up being a baby. And um, my youngest uncle, who uh, is 51 right now, um, he ended up being him. So another example of God's grace and mercy uh, on my family's life. He turned a tumor into a baby. Because, like, we um, heard pastors preach about um, cancer since I walked in. That's what they originally thought it was. Um, but God miraculously turned it around and made a human out of that tumor. And he's now the chief legal officer uh, in Richmond County. So God's grace uh, has been functioning in my family's life since I can remember. 
Uh, so grace is a, is a very, very passionate topic of mine. It's something that I love and something that I've lived and something that I've experienced. And when you live and you experience things, it's easier for you to talk about it and share it with others because you're talking from a personal experience. Uh, so we're going to uh, get into the word a little bit. Um, going to come from Ephesians. Uh, let's see what Paul has to say about, about grace. So Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. Let's see. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 4 through 9. And as I was studying this, um, like my uncle German, who's a pastor in Columbia, uh, he, he preaches at, at our church the importance of having a life scripture, uh, a scripture that you can, you can have in your back pocket when you need it, a scripture that you know front and back, a scripture that you can use in prayer when you need it, when you need a breakthrough. Uh, it's like a 911 scripture. I'm a cop, so I'm going I'm to try to I'm gonna probably relate everything back to, to, to emergency uh, law enforcement. But a 911 scripture, a scripture that's easy to remember, uh, one that you can quote back and backwards and forwards uh, when you need God to come through. Um, and mine was, uh, before I studied for this, Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But studying this, this is... I might have to make this one one too. I, I really enjoyed preparing uh, for this. Uh, so I might have to make this uh, my life scripture. So um, let's, let's start at verse, uh, verse 4. It says, um, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And um, one thing that really stood out to me, um, and like I said, my uncle's a pastor. I can be up here all day just talking about the word of God, but I'm going to try to get this, get this out and uh, get, give you something to chew on and something to take back and something you can share with others. Okay, so um, verse 4, I tried to get through all of it and then recap, but when I was studying it, verse the first part of verse 4 is what really stood out. It says, but God being rich in mercy. And um, I'm, a, I'm a word guy. I like words. And uh, English, I suck at math, but English was my favorite subject growing up. Uh, so I looked up the word rich, and it means being well supplied and having abundance. So God was well supplied and had an abundance of mercy towards us because of his great love with, for which he loved us. Um, God, so you don't ever have to worry about God running out of mercy. Um, God's mercy is new every morning. He's never going to run out. There's always going to be an abundant supply of God's mercy for us um, because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, before we even thought about wanting to love God, before we even thought about becoming a child of God, he already had that love predestined for us. It was already there. Um, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. And I love that he made us alive together with Christ, not apart from Christ. He made us alive together with Christ, together in conjunction with Christ. And it's by grace that we have been saved. So let's keep reading. Um, verse 6, and he raised us up with him, him being Christ, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. 
Verse 8 is really good. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man could boast. Um, so let's talk about, there was the word in here in verse 4 too, being rich, but God being rich in mercy. So what is mercy? Mercy is compassion or forbearance. Forbearance meaning refrain from enforcing something. So um, as a cop, people, when I stop them, one of the common things that people try to use to get out of getting a ticket is, can you show me some mercy? <laughs> I'm on my way to get my kid from daycare. He's about to be late. If I'm late, I have to pay extra because of the late fees of me not picking them up on time. Can you show me some mercy? So uh, again, mercy is to be able to refrain from enforcing something. So the person is basically asking me, can you refrain from enforcing whatever law that I've broken because of whatever reason that I feel that was justified for me breaking the law, right? So Jesus um, says in verse, uh, the Bible, Paul says in verse 4, uh, but God being rich in mercy. He's rich in refraining from enforcing the things that we deserve. And that's, that's very, very powerful because there's nothing, there's nothing that we can do to earn the grace and mercy of God. You can't go to God and be like, hey, God, look, I got a couple hundred dollars. I can slide you if you show me some grace and some mercy. God, God doesn't want that, okay? You, you can't buy grace and mercy from God because God already had it in place before you even committed the first sin of your life. God already had enough forgiveness for you for your entire lifespan. Um, so... It's, it's very ironic how when I read the Bible, I can see elements of things that I do at work in the Bible. And that, that kind of makes it fun to read the Bible because I'm like, wow, um, you know, the, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. But people went to Jesus in times of their worst need. Um, all throughout the Bible, people bringing people to Jesus who needed healing. Jesus went to Lazarus and raised him from the dead. Uh, so Jesus was there when people needed him most. And that's um, a lot about what people do with police. Uh, I've never went to a call where somebody was like, hey, uh, I just called 911 because I got some cookies and some cake that I want to give to the police right now. That's never happened since I've been a cop for the past five years. People call me when they're in a bad car accident or their husband's getting on their nerves or their kid ran away or their house is getting broken into or somebody just got shot, whatever the case may be, people call the police when they need help. And that's the same thing people did with Jesus back in the day. So it's important for me as a law enforcement officer and also law enforcement officers everywhere to get into the word because it'll help us learn how to interact with people. Uh, the more I read the word and the more I study the word, the better I am with interacting with people on a daily basis. Uh, so let's continue. Um, I said you don't have to worry about running out of God's mercy because it's, it's, there's an overabundance of it. Um, so verse, uh, where are we? verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, there's that word riches again, riches um, meaning having an overabundance. So God is going to show us in the ages to come, and I believe we're living in the ages to come right now, uh, he will show us the surpassing riches of his grace. Meaning 
God has so much riches, but he's going to show us even more riches of grace and mercy um, today and in the times to come. So verse 8, for by grace you have been saved. And this is a good part uh, that I want to get into. For grace you have been saved um, through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So what is a gift? Like I said, I... Uh, I love words. English was my favorite subject in school. So, of course, I had to look up the definition of a gift. I think I know what a gift is. It's holiday season coming up. Everybody, everybody knows what a gift is, but let's, let's look at it. Um, you can't earn or deserve a gift. I know a lot of people, um, Santa Claus, they have the naughty and the nice list. Kids, if you be good during the year, then you'll get a gift for Christmas. Well, I can say um, my parents, whether I was good or not, I still got something for Christmas. <laughs> Rather my grades were what my parents wanted them to be or not, there was always a gift under the tree because you can't earn a gift. A gift is something that is voluntarily trans transferred by one person to another without compensation. So like I said earlier, my grandmother had 11 kids. There were eight boys and uh, three girls, um, counting my mom. So eight, I have eight uncles and two aunts. Um, and every year we do uh, what is called, we call it um, Secret Santa. So there's so many of us, you put names in the hat, and we normally do it at Thanksgiving, but we did it a month early. We've already done it this year. Um, well, you put the names in the hat, and we all draw um, somebody's name. And whoever name you get, you're responsible for getting that person a gift, right? Um, so we do that, and it's something that we do voluntarily for the person. The person, we don't ask the person, hey, I'm going to get you a, a nice watch, and you're going to have to pay me back for that, though. <laughs> you never ask for any type of compensation from the person that you're buying the gift for. It's done out of love. It's done because, hey, you're in this family. I want to show you I appreciate you. I want to show you that I love you. And that's why God gives us the grace and mercy, as we see in Ephesians, is because of his great love for us. It's nothing that we can earn. It's nothing that we can ever pay him back for. God done it because he loves us so much. There's nothing you can do um, that can serve as a fair compensation or an equal exchange for the grace of God. And it also says not by works so that no one can boast. Uh, so being a cop, uh, it's, it's kind of competitive. Uh, because me and uh, some of my friends like to see who can go out and get the most guns and get the most drugs off the street and who can arrest the baddest guy that's committed the worst crime this month, right? Um, and it's kind, of, it's kind of a competition. But as I said, being a cop is what I do for what? Work. But grace and the grace of God and salvation is given to you as a gift, not of works. Because like I just said, you can boast about works because it's something that you did. You can, we can boast about how many guns we get off the street. We can boast about how many wanted people we find. We can boast about what kind of drugs we get off the street. We can boast about how many arrests we have this month because it's something we do for work. But you can't boast about your salvation because it was a gift. It was given to you by God. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. You didn't clock in at 7 o'clock in the morning and clock out in the afternoon to get salvation. No, God gave it to you as a gift, and you just have to be open to receive it. Uh, so let's look at an example of God's grace in Scripture. Uh, Paul talks about grace here, but I want to look at an uh, example of God's grace um, in Scripture. So if you could turn with me to uh, John chapter 8. 
It's the gospel, gospel of John, John chapter 8, verses 2 through uh, 11. John is going to be the, uh, the third uh, gospel in the New Testament. So my uncle German, who's a pastor um, in Columbia, he does this thing called Know Your Bible, Use Your Bible, and Be Your Bible. Uh, on Wednesday nights. So what it is, is you break it, he breaks down uh, the Bible and we learn like how the Bible's put together, the amount of books in the Old Testament, the amount of books in the New Testament, um, who wrote the books and all this kind of stuff. So it's very, very informational and it helps um, with being able to find, you know, books of the Bible. Because growing up, I used to flip and by the time I find the book, the pastor's done preaching. So um, it, it helps that uh, we, we have that at uh, my church in Bible study. So um you learn about, you know, the Gospels and all the different um, books of the Bible. But we're going to John right now, John chapter 8, um, verse 2 through uh, 11. Maybe familiar um, passage of scripture for some people. Uh, it's going to be about the woman that was caught in adultery. Uh, Jesus showed her great grace. And we're going to talk about that for a little bit. So um, verse uh, chapter 8, verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 2. It says, uh, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Uh, the he that we're talking about here is going to be Jesus. And all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery and having set her in the center of the court. Now I'm reading this and uh, Jesus is, like they said, in the middle of teaching and the Scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in adultery and set her in the middle of the center where Jesus was teaching. Now, that in and of itself, um, when I read it, I'm going to be honest, it was, came across as a little disrespectful. Why would you interrupt Jesus teaching a sermon and bring a woman and sit her in the middle of the court where Jesus was teaching? He's in the middle of, I'm not sure exactly what he was teaching about, but I'm pretty sure it was more important than them interrupting the whole thing. Like, hey, Jesus, here's a woman that we caught in adultery. Let's keep reading. So um, this says, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What then do you say? And they were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds of accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger rolled on the ground. So they had a reason for doing that. They had a reason for interrupting his whole teaching session, his sermon, whatever he was doing. They had a reason for interrupting him and putting her smack dab in the middle, in the center. I could see if they just brought her in the back and like, hey, we're going to bring this up to Jesus when he finished. We're going to let him finish teaching. We're going to let him finish doing what he's doing. No, they interrupted the whole thing and brought her and sat her smack dab in the center. And was like, hey, Jesus, we caught this lady in adultery, in the act of adultery. And in the law, Moses said, she need to be stoned. What you going to say? You know what Jesus said? Listen, I'm going to ignore these people because they're trying, they trying to trap me. They, wanna, they want me to answer this question so they can accuse me of something. But I'm, I'm going to ignore them. I'm going to keep writing. So Jesus kept writing with his finger on the ground. Verse 7 continues to say, but when they persisted in asking him. So they kept asking. So Jesus was in the middle of teaching. They interrupted the whole teaching that he was doing, brought the lady, put, him, put her in the center, trying to embarrass her. Imagine being in a, a teaching session with Jesus, and people bring you in to embarrass. There were other people around. Jesus, was, he wasn't there alone. He was teaching. So there are other people around who see the Pharisees and the scribes bring this lady and put her in the middle 
of the center of the court where Jesus was teaching. And then they bring up the fact that she got caught in adultery. That, that, that was nobody's business that they felt the need to let everybody know, not just Jesus, but everybody that he was teaching knew what she did. How embarrassing was that for that lady? But Jesus, again, being a, a God of grace, you're going to see in a second what he did. So he stooped down, um, and they persisted in asking him. So they kept bringing it up. Jesus probably tried to keep teaching. He tried to ignore him. He stooped down and rolled on the ground, but they kept bothering him. So after they persisted in asking, he straightened up and he said, He who is without sin among you, let him be the one to throw the first stone. So Jesus was like, hey, you who are without sin, if the law of Moses says stone it, then you without sin, go ahead and throw the stone. Jesus was probably waiting and waiting. And waiting. And again, he stooped down and rolled on the ground because nobody did anything. So he was like, okay, I'm just going to keep go back to my writing. Verse 8, again, he stooped down and rolled on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And I believe the older ones were the ones that went first because they were the ones that be like, all right, cool. I'm 70 years old. And he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. I got 70 years worth of stuff I don't want him to know about. I got 70 years worth of stuff. There's other people in here that he was teaching. I don't want them to know my business, so I'm going to leave. So I'm reading this, and I like to make the word personable to me. Like, if I was there, I would have been like, okay, well, you brought up this lady, Dirk, and you're just going to walk out when it's time for, for you to bring up yours. You, you were so comfortable in letting everybody in here know that this lady got caught in the act of adultery. But when Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone, you was like, oh, I'm gone. I don't want nobody to know my business. So why, I'm wondering, why were they so comfortable exposing this lady? But when Jesus brought up, hey, you without sin cast the first stone, you know you got sin that you don't want nobody else to know about, but you were so comfortable letting everybody know that this lady got caught in adultery. So the older ones walked out first, verse 9, and he was left alone. And the woman, where she was, was still in the center of the court. So right now, it's just the lady and Jesus. Everybody else left. Um, so... Verse 10, straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? Jesus was like, yo, where did everybody go? No, I didn't see nobody throw a stone at you. So um, verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go and sin no more. So Jesus, uh, let's see, Jesus essentially told the woman, and I believe that the, the sin that Jesus was talking about here is less about the act of being caught in adultery. Because like we said, Jesus has already forgiven her for that long before she even committed it. Um, I like to think that nothing catches Jesus by surprise. Okay, Jesus is not surprised when we go and do things that we aren't so proud of. It doesn't catch Jesus by surprise. Jesus is, he's, um, he's omnif omnipotent. He's, he knows everything. So it's not like, oh, Jesus is surprised that I did it. Jesus already knew what the lady did before they even brought her into the center and interrupted his teaching, right? So Jesus said, go and sin no more. And what, the, what Jesus was essentially saying is, go and from now on believe in me that I have the power to forgive you of these sins and that I am not going to condemn you. And we're going to get to uh, what condemnation means here in a second. So Jesus said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone in verse 7. So logically speaking here, Jesus was the only one qualified to throw a stone at that lady. 
He who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus was the only one that was qualified to throw a stone. And he didn't. He gave her grace and he gave her mercy. So let's talk about for a second what condemnation is. Uh, one more scripture. Romans 8 and 1. Romans 8 and 1. So if you remember, uh, Jesus told the lady he's, he's not going to condemn her. Romans 8 and 1, a uh, very familiar passage of scripture, says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I love uh, the word of God because it says there's therefore no condemnation. Not some condemnation, not a little Condemnation, not condemnation here, condemnation there. There is absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what is condemnation? Told you I'm a words guy, so I looked that one up too. Condemnation is to pronounce as guilty, to declare to be reprehensible, wrong, or evil, usually as weighing evidence. So none of that is done in Christ. Like I said, Jesus is the only one that was qualified to throw a stone at that lady. And I wonder, why is he the only one qualified? Because, like you said, God knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything in between. God knows the reason why you did what you did, even if you don't know the reason why you did what you did yet. God knows. He knows everything. So he's the only one qualified to be able to throw a stone at somebody for sinning because he's the only one that has all the facts. So when I go to court, we got to do what um, are called case jackets. And what a case jacket is, is when we arrest somebody, uh, particularly for felony offenses, uh, which are like really serious crimes, um, we got to put together a case jacket. We got to put the incident report in there. Um, we got to put the dispatch notes in the report, I mean, in the case jacket. We got to put the arrest report in there, listing the charges that we charged them with. We got to put their DMV information. We got to get their criminal history. If they had a car involved, we got to put the license plate information, who owns the car. We got to find out um, any photos that we took during the course of the case. If somebody got a gun, I got to take a picture of the gun, the serial number. I got to have all that in the case jacket. And then I got to submit the case jacket to the solicitor who um, will review it. And then the defense attorney also is uh, open to getting the case jacket so they can have the facts of the case. And the reason why we got to do that is because in order to condemn somebody or pronounce somebody as guilty, you got to have all the facts. You can't pronounce somebody guilty of something if you don't have all the facts. And that's why there is no condemnation in Christ because God has all the facts to our life. There's nothing about our life that God is missing. There's nothing about our life that God doesn't know. God has the case jacket to our lives, the report, the pictures, everything, our, our criminal history, our DMV profile, everything that we need in our life, God has it. So he's the only one qualified to be able to throw a stone or be able to condemn us because he's the only one that has all the facts. The people walked out, one, because I believe they didn't want everybody to know their business, and two, because they don't have all the facts. So you, you aren't qualified to condemn somebody or count somebody as guilty if you don't have all the facts to why they did what they did. If you don't have all the facts to their life, you 
can't pronounce somebody guilty. So to condemn, again, is to pronounce guilty or declare as wrong or evil, usually after weighing evidence. And that's the point of putting the case jacket together, because in order to condemn somebody or in order to find somebody guilty, you have to weigh the evidence. So God has taught me, you know, through my job that in order for me to be a good cop and to put people in jail that do bad things um, and to, to be have quality work, I have to be able to put all the facts together in order for the judge to be able to um, put a verdict on this person. And um, like I said, the same thing that um, police do, God does. We, we go out and protect, God protects us every day. We go out and people call us on their worst day. You can read all throughout scripture of people calling Jesus when they need him. The lady with the issue of blood, she came and all she needed to do was touch the hem of Jesus' garment and she believed she was going to be healed. She wasn't having a good day. She was not having a good day at all, but she pressed her way to touch Jesus' garment. Not even him, just the, the, the sewing of his garment. She wanted to touch it, and she knew if she touched it, she would be healed. So as law enforcement officers, we have to come uh, into you know, situations with that same mindset. Um, I can be tired, ready to go home, but I always try to, to look at things as if, okay, God is putting me in this person's life in their worst moment for a reason. They need me to represent him because the true healing that's going to come to any situation is not going to come from me, it's going to come from God. And I believe God lives within me, so everywhere I go, he goes. So if I'm going to a call, I'm taking God with me. So not only am I representing the Richland County Sheriff's Department, but I'm also representing Christ. So that's why I always try my best to go into calls and go into situations where I'm representing Christ and doing what he would do. I study Jesus and study his life and study his responses to people, and I try to imitate that as best I can. Uh, so as a cop, you may, um, I may lock people up for their crimes and stuff like that, but that's not the end of their story. God still has grace for them. God still has riches and surpassing riches of mercy for them. Uh, and, and again, that's a gift that you can't earn and you can't work for. And it's not my job to say that, hey, because this person committed X crime, Y crime, Z crime, whatever the case may be, that their life is over. I'm not qualified to throw a stone at that person. All I do is do my job, do the paperwork, take them to jail, and God still has grace. Even if they're found guilty of the crime, God still has grace on their life. God still has mercy on their life. And there's still a life that God wants them to live that he can get glory out of. So, again, I just want to thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be here and speak about the grace of God. Because, like I said, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's very, a very passion of mine to be able to show people grace and show people mercy. And I believe, you know, I used to pray all the time, hey, God, you know, I want to be able to show grace like you. I want to be able to, to imitate you. Um, and, and I want you to be my role model, right? And uh, like they say growing up, be careful what you wish for. Because... Throughout life and throughout work, ah, I get people who I have to show a lot of grace to each and every day. Um, so the more you pray, and I want to encourage you, um, be specific in your prayers, because God will definitely give you what you pray for. Uh, so again, Pastor, thank you so much for having me. And um, I pray that something that was said here today about the grace of God, whether it's that grace, uh, the unmerited favor, you didn't earn it, uh, you can't buy it from God, it's there for you. Uh, so if you 
come across somebody throughout your week coming up, um, just, just let them know, God loves you. There's grace for you. You can't earn it. You can't, you can't pay for it. You can't work hard enough for it. There's not a certain amount of hours you got to work within a week to, like, for example, my paycheck. I got to work a certain amount of hours in a week to be able to earn my paycheck, right? But God doesn't require you to clock in and out to earn his grace. It's there for you. So if you meet somebody throughout the week, share that with them. Share that God has mercy, compassion, forbearance. He refrains from enforcing something even if you need it enforced. God is going to have mercy on you. And there's scripture in the Bible that says his mercy is new every morning. So it's, it's never going to run out. So just encourage somebody throughout the week with that. And let them know that, like I said, they have the grace, the unmerited favor from God. And that it's a gift. They can't earn it. They can't clock in and out for it. They can't work hard enough to earn it from God. It's there. And they just have to be open enough to receive it from him. So, Pastor, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And like I said, I pray that something that I said today um, blesses you and you're able to use it uh, throughout the week to bless somebody else. So thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Man, praise the Lord. That was fantastic, brother. I appreciate that so much. I'm, I'm so mindful of, of Romans chapter 13 when I think about my dear brother here uh, in verse number four. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he uh, beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And so, brother, thank you for being a minister of God. Uh, that is what you are in your profession, and we sure are behind you and support you, and we'll be praying for you uh, as well. But thank you so much uh, for sharing the word with us. Uh, well, church, I'm, I'm sad to say we got one more session. The day has gone by. It's flown by. Uh, brother, will you be here for the last session, or do you have to leave? You stay? Okay, good. I didn't know if we need to love on you and say goodbye now. Uh, so we'll, we'll save that for after. Uh, but let's go ahead and take another break, and, and Mama will be proud. You operated within that time limit. Uh, he's done better than any Baptist preacher I know of, right, when it comes to time limits. So <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, but it, I told him he had liberty to go as long as he want. But anyway, we, we appreciate him so much being here. So let's take a break. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give it 10 minutes, uh, and then we'll come back for our final session.